Good evening. Welcome to The Focus. Mr. Riley, what's going on this evening? Hey, what's going on, fellas? How y'all doing? Everybody's good, man. Everybody's good. So, Cardell, you, you told me <laughs> that you hit Cardell. <laughs> pretty much it got back to me with your original message about how we were going to start tonight's show. So without further ado, uh, Mr. Riley, out there in Chicago, the floor is yours. Well, if, I, if, if this is an article, I would simply title it The Rest of the NBA Season. It's becoming ridiculous. Resting guys, this early into the season, I'm talking, and we were actually, they were resting people earlier than this, if I'm not mistaken. And we're talking about stars. And it's becoming an issue because there's two sides of it. There's people saying this is a grueling 82-game season, and then there's people saying, well, you're disappointing fans that are buying these tickets, these high-priced tickets at that. And it, <laughs> for the NBA to have this model the NBA cares, and they go out to the neighborhoods, and they fix up the houses, and they give back to the community. They obviously don't care about their pockets because if I'm a fan and I'm paying three, four hundred dollars for for three tickets for me, my son, and my daughter to come out and see these guys play, and they're not playing, and I don't find out until that day that they're, they're, they're that they're not playing, I'm pretty upset. I'm pretty pissed off, and it doesn't seem like the NBA is doing a whole lot about it. Now, I just read an article uh, where Adam Silver he apparently sent out a memo to the owners of the NBA saying this is going to be something that they're going to discuss because I'm I'm sure it's hit his desk and it's becoming what he called a significant issue because you can't you can't keep talking about this and not do anything about it. There has to be some type of action. Something has to happen in order for these teams to stop doing it. And I'm not saying don't rest guys, but I'm saying you can't rest three of your stars on one team for one night. Like that's just ridiculous. And we're talking about March 18th is when this happened. And it was happening before that. And for some reason, teams think it's okay. Well, we're worried about championships. Well, they've been worried about championships for years. This is nothing new. It's always been an 82-game season as far as I know. So the, season, the length of the season is not it is like it's anything new. So something else needs to happen in order for this to stop happening. Maybe you've got to start hurting these guys' pockets. Maybe you've got to change some practice schedules. Maybe you have to look at the minutes that are being played and, you know, some games on those back-to-backs, that first game, maybe that guy only needs to play 20, 25 minutes, and then the next game around, that's where you play him more, closer to the 30, 35-minute mark. But something has to be done because it is becoming an issue. It's hard to watch these games when you don't have your stars playing. Nobody wants to see Golden State without Stephen Curry, Klay Thompson, Andre Iguodala, uh, Kevin Durant, and whoever else it was that they set out. Nobody really wants to see that because San Antonio is going to dog walk them, which is what they did. Nobody wants to see the Clippers and the Cleveland Cavaliers without LeBron, without Kyrie, without Kevin Love. But it's, it just it has to stop. It's changing the way the NBA is viewed. I mean, they just started to find their way back into the good graces of people, and now you start to you know stir the pot again with, with, with resting players this early in the season, and you're telling fans, well, it's about championships. It's not about what you want to watch. Well, that's a bad look. So I got a little attitude about it. I'm kind of protesting the NBA the next two days, just the next two, until the tournament starts back up and everything's going to go back to normal. But I just wanted to get that off my chest real quick. So I don't know what you guys' thoughts on are on this. Well, I kind of know what Cardell's thoughts <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I'm, I'm curious as to what you guys think about this. All right, well, Rob, uh, we're going to go ahead and let these fine people here discuss it a little bit. Thank you so much for calling in. And, um, yes, we can tell you have an attitude. And, um, <laughs> wow, a 48-hour protest. Mm. 
<laughs> it ain't gonna last long. I mean, let's not be unreasonable. <laughs> Still got to keep up with everything. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just making a point. <laughs> hey, look, at least you were honest about it. Appreciate it, Rob. Right. Talk to you next All right, week. Have a good night. All right, so before we go to break, you guys want to offer any quick insights to this resting issue because that's all anybody's been talking about. Octavia? Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. I think we talked about this before. Um, I don't like it either. I mean, I get it as far as, you know, they're, they're humans. Of course, they get tired. <clears throat> but you get paid millions and millions and millions of dollars to play a game that you claim that you love so much. Um, and, I mean, it goes back to, like you said, the, the model for the NBA is NBA cares, you know. If you're not caring about your fans, there's not going to be a league, you know. And like you said, people that are paying a lot of money, you know, that one game I think it was between the Cavs and the and the Warriors where people paid like five thousand dollars for for floor seats. I mean, like like people are paying bank to come see these games, and then you get there and they're like, oh yeah, we not playing because we tired. And just like you said, it's like it's always been an 82-game season. It's definitely something they need to look into. I don't know if they, you know, you think about it, do they stretch the season out longer to have less back-to-backs? Like, what do you do? So I'm glad that they're at least addressing it now. It's all everybody's talking about. LeBron that came out was like, I mean, it's pretty much nothing y'all could do if I want to rest. I was like, mm, okay, I'm pretty sure they'll find something. But, I mean, it's a catch-22. It's hard for both parties, but you got to look at the bigger picture. Travis? I mean, I agree, you know, um, I mean, I'm not a fan of it, you know, especially the way the league is now. Then, like you're saying, you have these people that come out, kids that come out, that want to see their star players or their favorite players play, and they get there, or people make, I think I saw a story where a family drove or or came a long distance and then the player wasn't even playing, you know, so it was a waste of money, and then I'm pretty sure they're disappointed, and that could have been their first game, you know, so it probably ruined – their moment and probably they probably wouldn't do it again, you know. So it's something definitely the league has to look into. And then, you know, about players resting, I, I get that players are tired, but like you said, that's something they have to look into as far as maybe stretching the season or less games. Or I mean, I don't know because if you having players rest all the time, then you know, I know San Antonio was doing it for one point in time. So I think everybody kind of wanted to follow their lead. Um, but I think Popovich did it in a way where it was kind of like sort of reasonable, but now everybody's doing it. So it's like, you know, I don't know, it's interesting, you know. <clears throat> I mean, my take is, my take on it is if it's good for Will Russell, Kareem, Magic Bird, Jordan, I don't want to hit none of these dudes' mouths, man. Just straight up. Um and the fact is you wrestling and you claiming it's a, it's for championship purposes. It's no theory proving that if you rest you're gonna win a championship. <laughs> you know, so that's you know, that's that's BS. That's just you wanting to sit out, collect the check. Like I'm, I'm like, cool. You want to sit out? They need to take the check and find the team the same amount. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, LeBron might be making money and everything like that, but you know, I read a Phil Jackson quote where he's saying you, you make a lot of money, but fifty thousand, fifty thousand. When you take fifty thousand, you gonna notice that not in your bank. You be like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> and, you know, so five, if you tired, just, just five you know, dollars. exactly. So if you tired, man, we understand. LeBron will play a lot of mileage. You know, um, Kevin Love's coming off um, a lot of injuries. Um, Kyrie, I don't even, you still old games from Duke. I don't even want to hear like, <laughs> you, you, you like, what, 20? I'm, I'm not even trying to hear all that. Man. So, you still old people games, man. I know Coach K, like, hold on, dog. Like, so, bottom line is get out there and play, man. Less than the minutes. That's all you got to do, man. You're just 25 to 30. And if you handle business like you should, blow, like how the Warriors were last year, blow them out, sit most of the second half. Yeah. And then, you know, you get in the rest. So, I'm like, it's just excuses. It's just um, – 
you know, we become a shortcut coach and it's infecting the league. And what they got to be careful of is everything trickles down from the NBA. Whatever standard the NBA set on sets comes down to college, high school, mm-hmm. AAU. Next thing you know, you're going to have AAU. Like, you know, we play, you know we came up the same age. AAU and stuff, you playing four or five games a day. You see what I'm saying? So now you want to have kids. Like, man, I got to sit out three of them games, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my knees hurt. Like, what? You want the scholarship? That's what's going to end up happening. That's so, on, and that's man. true, though. Like you said, man. You know, um, definitely – the NBA set the stage, you know. That's why I talk to a lot of guys or I try to emphasize how they carry themselves and how they conduct themselves because they're role models. Right. Whether they want to be or not, they're role models. So you have people that's watching them because they're on TV all the time. So whatever they do, you know, kids, then they want to do the same thing, you know. So it's a, one of the things they got to, like I said, man, they got to look into it or it's going to get bad. All right. I don't – I think we've – I've shared my opinion <laughs> on this before. So I don't need to chime in, but I'm with the rest of you guys. I mean, there's so many different ways you can do this. And what's wrong with the Golden State model? Blow them out in the first half, and we can't say anything if you sit down the rest of the game. Nope. Yep. But we you're will, working early. Fact, we will be saying, all right, that's enough. Sit down. Yeah, you know? yeah like we're, <laughs> we're going to tell you, no, 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 Steph, don't no do boss, that again. No right. boss. No, go sit <laughs> down. <laughs> like, where's Sean Livingston? Exactly. You know, it's, yeah. it's, then it's going to be a different type of, you know, that's the kind of conversation you want to have. And um, it messes up, like I said, it messes up the competition. That's mm-hmm. where you really see who's great and who's not. The guys that dig deep. And still perform when they tired, like you know, you know, like when Isaiah when he had a broke foot or whatever, like or Jordan when he you know the flu game or something, you know, game six in '98 when he hit the shot. A lot of people forget Pippen hurt his back, so if he's out most of that game, Jordan was carrying him most of that game. It wasn't you know, and he's up in there up there in age, you know, even you know looking at Jordan and Kareem, they're playing 82 games at 40. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Competing for you know, well Jordan wasn't with the Wizards, but you know Kareem was competing for a championship, so. You're not trying to hit on it. And it was making way less money. Mm-hmm. Like, the, I think the league average now is $5 million. I think Jordan, early on the, until his last three years, he made um, – the highs he made was $4 million in the season. Yeah. The league – like, the league average is 5 So, you got guys sitting on the bench, 12 main, making $5 million. Mm-hmm. Not even getting any – come on, man. We ain't trying to hit on it. <laughs> All right, so that's how everybody here, the focus, and our guest, Travis Garrison. <laughs> feels about the NBA and their resting issue. We got a great show planned for you guys tonight. When we come back from break, going to sit here and talk to Mr. Garrison. Um, going to be a wonderful conversation. After that, we got local coverage, as always. Um, shout out to Mr. Kavanaugh. Yeah, talk about him just a little him. bit. Got a we got the Maryland woman to talk about. We got a little DC United. That's then we, <laughs> we, we got another edition of that Pop Your Trunk segment. Yeah. And then, of course, of course, what, what focus show will be complete? without that nerve-wracking rapid-fire session. And um, Eddie is not pre-recorded this week. We got a live petty Eddie this week. So I can only imagine if you thought Rob was geeked up after being off a couple weeks, petty, this is going to be crazy later on. So we're going to take a quick break. You're watching The Focus, and when we get back, we're going to be talking to former DeMatha player, former Maryland Terrapin, Mr. Travis Garrison. Welcome back to The Focus. As y'all know, we got a special guest Former Jordan Brand, McDonald's All-American, DeMatha, Maryland, standout. You got a lot of accolades next to that name. You put in work. Mr. Travis Garrison, man. So, you know, we're going to get right to it as always. Um, You know, 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 obviously you grew up playing basketball, but, you know, what made you decide on DeMatha? Um, I tell people this story all the the time, but um, a lot of people don't know. Um, I didn't know anything about DeMatha before I went to DeMatha. Um, my brother, my oldest brother, he played at McNamara, but he's nine years older than I am. So when I used to go to his games, I was in the hallways running around playing with uh, 
toys and all this and that. So I wasn't really paying attention to the games. But I was in, um, I went to Drew Freeman, and I was in the gym one day, and uh, my guidance counselor came in and asked me if I knew anything about Damatha. He showed me a, path, a pamphlet, and I said, uh, no. I know that he said it was, it was a Catholic, it said a Catholic school on it, and he told me it was all boys' school, and I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, I don't know. But long story short, um, I mean, he connected it where um, I went up to Damatha and I uh, met Coach Wooten. At first, when I walked in the office, I saw the trophies and you know, he kind of gave me the breakdown of all the guys that go to college and the guys that go to pro, and it goes pro. But the thing that stood out what my mom liked was uh, when he talked about the academics and how they focus more on grades. And yeah, they're a good sports school, but uh, they make sure that their players uh, get taken care of academically as well. So um, that's how the math kind of happened. I played in their Christmas tournament in eighth grade, and then after that it was kind of all that from there. Because my mom didn't want me to go to my local high school. She didn't, she didn't want me to go to Suitland. My neighborhood was kind of rough at that time, and uh, she just kind of wanted me to get away. I was actually thinking about going to a boarding school. Um, it's like 85 students there, but I didn't get in. Um, but that's how I went, and I'm going to the math. So it kind of worked out like that. That's what's up. The first practice, because you know every level you move up, that first practice is kind of like a shock. It's like, whoa, okay. I need to change this. What was the first practice at the Mather like? Um, I think it was uh, during the summertime of his pickup. Okay. And, um, you know, you got Keith Bogans, Joe Forte. You know, I'm like, when I was walking, I actually did a shadow and I was walking the halls. And I saw these tall guys. I'm like, I thought, I, I was just being so tall, the tallest. And you walking up and down the Mather hallways and you got guys that's 7'2, 7'7, 6'10, 6'9. So I'm like, dang. But um, that first pickup game, it was definitely an eye-opener for me. Um, the way, the skill level was at a whole nother level. You know, they was number one in the country at the time. So just uh, competing like that and thinking that my game at the time was going to stand out, I don't think I was ranked like number two, eighth grade in the country at the time. Um, so, I, you know, I kind of walked in like I'm, I'm that dude and, you know, kind of got pushed back in my face, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I definitely wasn't ready at all and definitely had to – the way Tamatha works is – you have to kind of catch up to the competition. Yep. So you have to work. You know, nothing's given. You have to, like, really work. So um, I had to basically step my game up to their level and their expectations. So it was it was definitely tough at first. It was rough. It was uh, kind of took my confidence a little bit. But um, as time went on, I kind of gained more confidence. It kind of got better as time went on. It was a process. Okay. You spoke of, you know, Joe Fortin, Keith Bogans. What was the standard that they set, you know, once you got there? Because, you know, you know, like I said, we the same age. They were all, all kind of like all world in high school. You know, right. um, so what was the standard that they said? Well, you know, like all right, I got to match that real quick. Uh, <clears throat> I talked about it in my book a little bit, but uh, I was playing pickup and I was on Joe Forte's team, and um, I was, uh, I think, I was checking Jordan Collins, and Jordan Collins ended up hitting the game winner on me. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Collins six ten. You know, he was uh, he was a year ahead of me, but he hit a game winner on me and. We were walking, I'm walking out, kind of down a little bit. I'm walking out towards to get some water, and Joe kind of looked back at me and was like, man, you something, you something. <laughs> and I was like, I'm talking, he had that look in his face like a disgust. And I'm like, and I was, that, I ain't going to lie, that, that hurt. You know what I mean? Coming from him, and I didn't expect it, but that's just because the way they play and, and how they work. And like, so basically, like, either you're going to step up and, and compete and work hard and or – this ain't for you. Right. You know what I mean? So it was like one of the things, you got to step up or you're going to get lost. You know, there's been a lot of dudes that wanted to come in there and play. But like I said, the level of expectations was 
was high. They were number one in the country, and they were who they were. Mm-hmm. You know, they're top ten in the country as far as players, Joe Fulton, Keith. So when you played on their team, you had to like work hard, <laughs> you know, harder than before. So, so that misconception is, you know, guys saying, man, they just get all the time to players and they just roll the balls on, they just win games. That's just that's bogus. That's BS. Man, look here, I tell <laughs> I tell guys, I was just talking to one of my uh, old teammates, Corey, he my best friend, like my best friend, and um, I was telling the man, like, we used to play this ten game in practice where the, the coaches don't call no fouls. I'm talking about you got dudes out there, man, trying to not. Clothesline, dude, man, it was serious, man, because I think we, the way we competed in practice, it was like uh, everybody wanted to win. It was a competition. Everybody wanted playing time. So you had the, the, the A team playing against the B team, but the B team wanted to be on the A team. So, you know, you were like literally like scratch. I mean, like it was a dog fight in practice. So that's why the games was easier because we worked so hard in practice. So it was nothing was given. People were like, oh, the math, the man, they just because of it. Nah. I know when I was there, we worked. None. And then when I got to a level, as far as being the leader on the team, I try to push myself and be the best player in practice to prove a point. Whether we shooting, uh, shooting drills or whether we doing sprints, I wanted to be the first because I wanted to prove a point. And I wanted to lead by example. So um, I think, um, yeah, that, and that was for all the players from right. the last man to the from the first man to the last man. So we all had the expectation of each other, and we all held each other accountable. You know, our captain was Elijah Brooks, who was the head football coach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a football player, you know, he was that dude in football. But he had expectations. So it was like a – man, we all held each other accountable, you know. So, I mean, you know, it was – yeah. But none was given. I don't I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan Wooten, he's seen as arguably the greatest coach, period, any level. Um, what made him special? Man, I tell people, man, he's probably one of the greatest people – that I ever encountered as far as, okay, you have a great coach, but I'm more like as a person. You know, he used to give different quotes at the beginning of practice, and then at the end of practice, he asks us repeat the quote, or he calls us to repeat the quote, and then what you think that means. So he, taught, he talked all about, about life and decisions and character, how uh, a good name is better than, you know, than fine riches. Like basically how you're supposed to conduct yourself as a person on and off the court. You know, tucking your jersey in. I'm talking about from the littlest. I walked in the, I got my first tattoo in high school. I walked in the, his uh, his office. And he kind of like looked at me. He was like, you seem a little, little heavier. <laughs> and I was like, like, what you mean? He was like, what's that on your arm? I said, that too. He said, well, don't you know that, um, he said, you know, swimmers, they shave all their hair off but it could be faster. So he's trying to prove a point, but it just goes to show that, you know, he, he was looking at more of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, not just basketball. Yeah, basketball is good, but how you carry yourself. You know, he wasn't big on showboating and things like that, uh, talking trash. You know, he just said, you ain't going to do all that. Just point to the scoreboard. No, that, 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 that do the talking for you. So he was old school, real old school, yeah. The WCAC, man. Um a lot of people say it's the top high school basketball conference in the country. Um, how tough was it playing in it? But how tough was it being the top guy on the top team in that league, night in, night out? Because it's different than just being a player in it. You know, you at the top of this guy before they coming for you. Right, right. If they take you out, they can possibly win the game. So how was that? That expectation, of pressure, <clears throat> night in, night out. I mean, I loved it. I mean, I mean, that made me play hard. You know, I had the attitude. In high school, whereas I knew dudes was coming at me, so I tried to go at them before they came at me. Mm-hmm. Um, every team, because we were the matter, they wanted to come at us hard. 
Um, you had players just saying, you know, it, it was, you know, some, some games meant more than others for me. You know, I knew, like, for example, I'm going to McNamara. That's around my neighborhood in a sense. And I know they're going. I already know how they're going to go. And you had the Gonzagas, mm-hmm. you know, the Paula Six and things like that. But um, Joe Forte told me, I think it was Jason Forte, his brother was like, when you're at a high, when you rank that high and you that dude, that dudes are going to come at you. So you got to go at them before they come at you. So that was always my mindset um, because how hard I worked in high school um, that I wasn't going to let nobody outdo me. You know, I try, I try to play my best and do my best. Um, there were times I kind of was trying to play too cool, you know, thinking I was something other than what I was. But other than that, as far as my work ethic, you know, I try to make sure I showed it on, uh, on the court as well as in practice. So. Okay. Um, which program I played during, <laughs> during that time gave you the most trouble? Um, man. Um, mm. the program. You know who? Every time we went to McNamara, we played at McNamara. I don't think I ever won at McNamara when I played varsity. Oh wow! I don't think I ever won there. Um, that was always tough. I think you know the refs was kind of a little bit against <laughs> too. So I <laughs> no, but they they always came in there and they and they they they, they you know they uh. They play hard and they wanted to prove a point. But I love those games though. Those are the games I love though, you know, because I know it's gonna be a dog fight for real. You know, it's gonna be a lot of trash talking. Like I love, and Kevin Garnett was my man yeah. in high school, so I was looking up to Kevin. That was my idol. So anything he was doing, I was like, man, I'm, you know. So, but uh, <clears throat> you know, you had, you know, obviously you got the Gonzagas. Those are like the, yeah. the crazy games. You know, the fans go crazy. It's like a Duke and Merlin in yeah. a sense. Um, but as far as a player, uh, Calvin, Calvin Brown was pretty tough in high school, too. Okay. He was pretty tough in high school, too. But um, I don't know, man. I really got, I got to think about that. I never really sat down and thought about that, So you said you cooked everybody, basically. <laughs> 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 nah, nah, because there were some dudes that was, that, was, that was nice, man, you know, that gave us problems. But like I said, man, I just had that mindset. I just, you know, I ain't played the best defense in the world. You know, we yeah. played zone a lot, so that kind of helped me out a lot. <laughs> But um, like I said, man, I just try to, you know, I just try to be the best every time I stepped on the court. Um, but you, I did have some dudes that used to go at me, and it was it was always a battle. So matter of fact, speaking of guys going at you, um, I was telling my young boy, um, I ran into Raymond Fun at Five Star, and like in tenth grade or whatever, and you know all the coaches surrounding him. I'm like, who's it? And then when I saw him play, I was like, I thought he was gonna be the next Steve Francis. Yeah, they ain't believe he played like that. I'm like, no, he had. <laughs> bounce so I put a clip up and then I think your teammate Corey mm-hmm. he spoke on it he was like man he gave us the business yeah. down in South, um, um, what was that uh, down South Carolina yeah down South Carolina classic. and that's what really put him on the map where it was like alright North Carolina everybody really just saw it because they because he gave y'all nothing he was like man we couldn't do nothing with him so I mean talk about that experience because you know I'm pretty sure I mean you probably knew he was good mm-hmm. maybe like a nice local player right. but he made that lead nationally he he ain't look back since. Yeah, because I, 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 when I went down, I didn't really know anything about Raymond. I, th- I think the, they gave us a scouting report. I said they got a kid, you know, that's pretty mm-hmm. good or whatever. Um, and I think he probably probably was the tallest dude on the team. Wow. Maybe he was the tallest guy on the team. He was like six three, six four. So that was our first game, and um, and we ended up losing to him. That was like the biggest upset in baseball classic history. Oh wow! Um, so I coached us hot after that. <laughs> but you know, I, I was sick. I had the flu and I had the uh, stomach virus. Um, but obviously my coach was like, yo, you, you playing. But I was, man, I couldn't, I had like take 
they had to stiff stuff up my nose. Like it was crazy, man. But um, they ended up beating us, um, and it was the biggest, the biggest talk of the of the, um, of the tournament. But uh, that day, put him on the mat because he had like thirty, thirty something, I think, like thirty two, I believe. Um, but yeah, that's when I kind of figured out who he was, yeah. you know. You didn't go. We spoke before in the interview. You said um, you didn't play AAU. You, know, mm-hmm. you had to have no academic stuff. You didn't really have a chance to go to elite camps until before your senior year. Going to your senior year, you went to probably the most hyped up ABCD camp that they might have had ever, and that was the Lenny Cook versus LeBron. You know, deal. First of all, from your perspective, what was your mindset going in individually as a player, and also, you know, you you know you saw the match with Lenny and Carmelo up close, mm-hmm. and then the, the infamous game where. LeBron went from just a nice and local regional player to, to you know, taking him out and becoming the number one player regardless of class, and then it sparked to where he is now. You know, talk about all that. Um, basically, uh, <clears throat> yeah, most of the time I, play, I did play AAU a little bit. During the summer I didn't have a chance to really go to any tournaments or any things like that because uh, I didn't take school very serious in, in, during the school year. So every summer I was in summer school trying to make up for grades. Um and, like, I got invited to the USA, a thing up in Colorado. Trials, Coach yeah. was like, nope, can't go to that. Um, so, uh, but going into my senior year, because I thought it was important for me to, if I wanted to make the McDonald's All-American game, that I had to prove not just locally but nationally against the best players. So my mindset going in was I want to kill everybody there. Like, I want to be one of the best players coming out of ABC to Canada. Like, that was my goal going into it. So, um, I, I already knew what I was going to do because I knew how much work I put in going into that because that was my first camp I ever went to. And I wanted to be in the McDonald's All-American and play against the best and prove that because all these scouts used to always say, like, well, how you plan to make the McDonald's All-American game if you ain't really traveling or if nobody can see you? You know, we know we hear about what you're doing at the math, but you're not doing it against the best players. So I was like, all right, you know. And uh, on my team, my first game, it was me, Melo, uh, as a bookie that went to Kentucky, uh, Chris Taft that was at Pittsburgh, um, another kid from Baltimore. No, my man, his name is Kenny. I think he played at uh, Hosford. I forget where he played at. Um, and our coach was uh, Wil- Wilkinson or Williams, who was uh, I think he's like a scout for the Knicks. Crazy yeah. guy, man, but great dude. But um, that's when Melo, because I knew Melo when he was a sophomore, and he was like top hundred. And then that summer he grew, and then. He just became that dude. He was in the gym, and then he just started really working. He stopped moving up through the ranks. Um, but going into the uh, ABCD camp, uh, everybody kept saying, who's better, him or Lenny Cook? Him or Lenny Cook? So Melo came in. <laughs> Melo came in. That was our first game. And, man, <laughs> you already knew that was his mission, like to try to prove a point. And he did. Like him and Lenny was going at it, but Melo got the best of him. You know, and then Melo left the camp. <laughs> that was his first and last game. <laughs> so he basically came in, proved the point, and got out of there. <laughs> but he did what he came. He came to prove a point and got out of there. Yeah. So uh, that's what he did. Um, but I ain't mad at him. Um, and then as far as LeBron, I didn't even know who LeBron was because we were traveling um, different to different states to play uh, nationally when I was with Dematha and. Uh, we was in the airport one time. Someone dude, we was, I think we was in Ohio. And stuff. You playing against that uh, kid from St. Vincent? I was like, who are you talking about? I don't know who you're talking about. Everybody kept talking about them. So when I saw him at ABCD camp, I didn't really know anything about him. We played against him. I still kind of didn't really know. And then people started like kind of hyping him and talking about him. And then um, when him and uh, Lenny went at it, 
I was actually playing the court next to us. And we used to have a lot of scouts and everybody at our games, but everything kind of shifted to the middle court. <laughs> so it wasn't nobody. I'm like, man, what's going on? And I came in and I walked over there, man, yeah. So um, they were going at him, man. You know, obviously that's where LeBron, I think, kind of really skyrocketed, especially when he went at Lenny and they kind of was um, battling and, you know, he did his thing. And then that's when it, you know, because he had this little bush and everything. Yeah. He thought crazy. And then after that, I think he got the cut. That's when everything kind of shifted. <laughs> it's marketing time, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> time for marketing. So, um, LeVar Ball move. It, it, then, <clears throat> so that was a great camp, man. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It was funny because Daniel Horton and Chris Boss was trying to recruit me to go to Michigan. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, <laughs> Chris Boss went to Georgia yeah, Tech. Exactly. <laughs> now, so they were trying to like, oh, man, come on. We all go down to Michigan, man. We all go to Michigan. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, um, but that's why it's funny that Chris Bosch and I'm going to Georgia Tech. Um, I ended up making an all-star game down there, but come playing it because I was going to miss, I already missed like three days of summer school, couldn't miss mm-hmm. no more, had to go back. So I was like, man, like, learning lessons all through, man. Like, I couldn't even play in the all-star, and like, that was one of the best all-star because LeBron, right. Telfair, all those guys in it, I couldn't even play in it, man, because I had to go back to summer school, so. That's what I tell kids now, man. You got to take care of them books, man. Yeah. I know my coach ain't play that. You can't do nothing. Nah, no. It's like, man, so. Speaking of Georgia Tech and Michigan, man, um, what were some of the schools that recruited you, and why did you choose Maryland? Um, I mean, uh, a lot of schools recruited me, but after doing ABCD camp, more uh, schools really went hard at me. Um, I know Patino, like, called my hotel room a few times. Um, but, you know, you got the Dukes, the North Carolina, um, I thought about going to Duke for a second because I was like, man, I was into like, oh man, I want to take care of these, get this academic, get, get, I mean, go to good, good school for academics and things like that. Then I thought about Seton Hall because Tommy Amaker was there, mm-hmm. and I loved that dude, man. Great coach, great person. And then I saw what um, Eddie, Eddie Griffin was doing up there. Yeah, he's he one and done. Um, uh, then you know, I thought about Georgia Tech and Notre Dame for a second. Uh, I, ch- I chose Merlin because I saw what Terrence Morris did, and it was it was close by, you know. Actually, for a minute, I wasn't thinking about Merlin. I was like, man, I can't do it. Gary yelling too much. <laughs> I can't do that, man. Like, and I was telling people, I said, I'm not. People were like, man, you you gonna go to Merlin? I said, I'm not going to Merlin. I'm not going to Merlin. But just be being to be home. Um, my mom, like, I was looking at Michigan because Tommy Amker ended up going to Michigan. And she was just like, how long is the drive? And it was like 15 hours. And she was like, man, like, so I thought that came to play too. Uh, good thing I kind of didn't go to Michigan because the whole NCAA violation thing, they couldn't play. So um, so that was my, one of my main decisions going to Merlin. It's close by home and, you know, just stay by. And then, like I said, I seen what Terrence Morris did. And, you know, they recruited me real heavy. North Carolina tried to come in there. They was recruiting me at one point, then they stopped. Then, like, that summer, going into my senior year, they, like, called me, like, you know, what about North Carolina? I was like, all right, kind of. Got my five to schools, and they were like, "But we're in North Carolina." <laughs> like you don't know who y'all were in North Carolina. I'm like, uh, like nah, man. Because it was it was a I ain't gonna lie, man. I wasn't prepared for that process. My mom wasn't prepared because they were calling like they was finding all ways to get in contact, man. And um, it was overwhelming. It was times I like didn't even go home and left my cell phone there just because it was the calls were crazy, then the mail and stuff. So I like used to have to get away and go to people's houses just like the get away but uh but that's why I chose Merlin man. I'm kinda glad I did. It was uh it was a learning process for me as well and, you know, it worked out. Okay. Uh, how much fun was it being the McDonalds All American, Joe the Brand All American? Because um 
you know, I know the first time I saw Jordan, I'm a grown man. So the first time I saw Jordan at the Jordan Classic, yeah. when he walked past, man, I got stuck a little bit. I was like, <laughs> I was like yo, this is the GOAT, man. So I can only imagine you know, being a teenager, man. Like, So how was the experience? Um, It was interesting, man. I ended up, uh, I was real close with uh, Darius Miles at the time. Okay. And I ended up, uh, I seen Jordan during uh, our season and when I was in high school. Like, I met him. But I was a big fan of Kevin Garnett, man. Like, I was just like so, like you know. I mean, yeah, that's Michael Jordan, and you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I know that's the goat, that's that dude. But I was like, man, where KG at, man? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I met him there. It was, it was super dope, man. It was surreal feeling. Um, and then when I met him at the Capital Classic uh, for it, and I, and I tell people now with the picture, you, I ain't even smiling, and I regret that now mm-hmm. because that's like a, a moment, man. Mm-hmm. You with the, you with that dude, right? So, um, but it was, I definitely was grateful for it, man. Um, even been a McDonald's All American, you know. You, a lot of people say this and that. I know I worked for it. You know, it wasn't given. You know, yeah, I know who my coach was, but I know how much work I put in. Um, and then you know, playing with the guys like Melo and. Amari saying that dude now. That's when I was going. I came back after the, the McDonald's All American game. I came back home. I said, "Look here, Amari Stoudemire, he's not going. To, he's not going to college." <laughs> and they was like, "Who?" I said, "Man, a dude from Florida. He's not going to college, man." And they was like, "Man, I don't know." I said, "Man, look here, he gonna go top ten easy." And, and people ain't understand what I was saying because I was at practice, man. And he right. was grown man out there. I'm talking. I'm talking like when I say like killing them, dude. I'm talking. It was. You could see the difference. And these are the top dudes in the country. He was killing them, man. And we were on the bus one time. We were going to a dinner. And Amari like, hey, bro, I ain't going to school. You know, I'm going to kill this. I'm going to kill Tim Duncan. I'm going to kill. Uh, I'm, better, I'm better than Chris Wilcox. Like, I'm, I'm going to kill this. And dudes are kind of like metal. Everybody kind of like looking like, yeah, all right. But like, he was like, man, because he was reading a report what Bob Gibbons said about him. And mm-hmm. like, he was talented but with no skills or something like that oh, and like yeah. he was like hot he was like man you see this man you see this and he's like man watch watch when i get to the league watch so dudes like kind of like looking but man's first year he averaged 40 against uh san antonio man, look, he was killing man body yeah. both of them that's what marbury was like um, that's what marbury was like man he better than kg and then kg got mad like man get off his was and um, this is a true story. We played in the AAU tournament down in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And um, we got through playing. And then uh, the word is, you know, back then it wasn't social media. So a lot of stuff shot word of mouth. You right, know, right, right. So you would hear about players like, who? But you couldn't really see unless they was on a show or something. So we, we they like, this kid, he going to be number one pick. Um, Amar, he's about to play. He's from, you know, Florida. Yeah. So I'm like, he's like, who is that? <laughs> so so um, we literally walked past the team that they was about to play, and they sent it. I saw the coach went on eyes. He was like, "You got tomorrow," and the, and the kid was like, <laughs> "He got shook on the spot." And we was like, "So we like, why he shook?" We so everybody like you said, everybody grabbed to this, went to the gym when they about to play. I think Mar had like twenty or twenty in the first half, and, and it was all dunks. Like he he's he was a beast man like dudes was shucking him and I understand why because that physical the physicality unless you just blessed you know early on like a Chris Webber or him something like that you don't get that till you get to college when you put when you on that regimen he had that naturally man, he he was that dog I saw him a few years ago we were talking about I said man remember that time we had a conversation on the bus man you said how you was gonna kill XYZ he was like yeah man I said man cause he was like I said I came back home I said dude look here Dude is going louder. He gonna go top ten, man. Watch what I tell you. He gonna kill it. He gonna, cause he was just 
he was hungry, man. Yeah, he, he was, was like, you, like he was like literally like hungry. Like you could see it in his face and growling. And like, like he was a hey. <laughs> I remember D'Angelo Collins was like, "I'm better than Lamar." Man, man, they, 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 they were going, going that, that in the game. They were going yeah. all that in the practice and like because the way D'Angelo was, if you know him, like the way he was just like because I think MTV was following doing some type of thing, uh, documentary or reality show on him. So how he was carrying himself and. And acting, Amari was just like Amari, real chill. He a cool, real good dude. Like, but he's like, he treat you like his little brother in the sense the yeah. way he carried himself. And he was just like, man, this dude, man, this dude, man. Like, he was just getting on his nerves. And, and <laughs> Amari was trying to chill. Like, I'm chilling. And D'Angelo just kept, kept like, well, yeah. kept, uh-huh, you know. <laughs> so yeah, man. You had to give it to him. So, um, how much pressure was it on you guys? You came in that that great class in Maryland. You, McCray. Nikana Medley, Jones, and Gilchrist. Mm-hmm. How what, how much pressure was it on y'all to, to kind of build off that national championship coming into Maryland? Um, it was a lot. Um, I didn't understand the responsibility that you know I had, that we had, um, because they just won the national championship. So because they went to Final Four the year before, and they went to the national championship, so they like we expect this is a great class, so they expecting us to continue the legacy and go on. Um, but I know for me personally, um, I wasn't ready for that, that type of life, you know, because mm-hmm. I wasn't the math, man. Oh, it was all hoops and I go back home. I wasn't really doing too much. Then I go up to Maryland when they just won a national championship. I'm from the area. I start experiencing the college life, <laughs> the club life, the girl, I mean, everything. Like it was all like, I was like, Man, it was like a kid that's never been out before. And then, so I kind of got, I ain't going to lie, I got wrapped up and caught up in that world, man, of who I was. So I always kind of carry, like, I'm Travis Garrison, McDonald's All-American. So I'm thinking that your name going to carry the weight through that. And right. that's not going to happen because you see a lot of dudes that came in that was how to recruit it. You know, Shavlik Randolph, Shavlik Randolph was how to recruit a guy. He didn't really play that much as a Duke like that. He ended up staying, getting in the league. But... um not really working, man, and putting that effort in. You got guys that that actually work and put that work in, and then end up making it. You know, Jerry Jack went to McDonald's All American, mm-hmm. but he got in that league and he's still in the league. Yes. You know, so you got dudes that Andre Iguodala. Yeah. I ain't Working. really known him until the Jordan game, and this dude, Bounce, yeah. <laughs> this dude is still in the league. So you had these guys, JJ Reddick, man, you JJ Reddick, but you had these guys who probably wasn't highly recruited or you didn't really expect it but they worked their butts off in college and they put that work in whether other guys kind of like wanted to live off their name or reputation I think it's going to carry them through and it don't happen like that okay Mr. Gary Williams man how was it like playing for him man um it was, it was it was it was interesting, you know. I kind of knew what I was going to get when I, before I even got there anyway, because I went to a, a few practices and I went to a few of the Merlin games, so I kind of seen how he acted. A lot of people don't really understand him because he's not real talkative. He's not real social. You know, he's that dude that's going to be up in here. He's, he's sitting over there in the corner. You know what I mean? Because he's not real sociable. But like behind the scenes, man, real good dude, man. You know, makes jokes. You know, um, really cares about you. Um, you know, I didn't appreciate that when I was there either because I kind of I wanted it this way, he wanted it that way. Um, I thought I knew what I what I was doing, and you know, and he wanted he he wanted what was best for me, but I didn't right. see that at the time. You know, I'm like, yo, I thought I was coming in here and play the three. You got me playing the five, you know. But he's like, yo, you know, you need to learn both parts. You know, what I mean, that's gonna make you a better player. Right. But I'm not saying that because I have people in my ear like, dude. You need to go somewhere where you can play three, four, because that's what's going to get you in the league, and that's who you are. That's the kind of player you are. 
And I wasn't skilled as a, I wasn't a skilled big man as far as in the post or anything like that. But he was trying to make me that. He was trying to make me do both, you know, inside Around and outside. Game yeah, 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 but I didn't see that though, cause I'm, you know, hard headed. You know what I mean? I end up learning the hard way, but I appreciate him more now. Like I see him now, I'm like, man, you know, I, I think <clears throat> it's been a while now. I ain't go back to Merlin because I was, I felt some sort of way towards him. Mm-hmm. But then I end up realizing when I, especially when I did the book, and I realized a lot of the things that happened was my fault. And he was really trying to help. So I ended up like writing him like a, I ended up apologizing, like sending him a long text message and he ended up hitting me back. And so now when we see each other, it's like a better rapport between us. Um, so yeah, you know, he's, he's one of those dudes, man, he going to fight for you and, you know, if you work with him, you know, uh, he wants what's best for you, but, you know, he's he's different, but real good dude. Man, that's a good story because a lot of youngers need to hear that. They don't like coaching these days. And, and ironically, he was right. He kind of saw what the league was becoming, the stretch forward, the Kevin Love moment. I always say your game is kind of similar to his. Mm-hmm. Watching you in high school and college, like, you know, that could have easily been you. He was trying to mold you. So, yeah, all you had to do was just, yeah, you just listen. listen. <laughs> just simple, just, okay, coach, I'm going to do it. Even if you don't understand, I'm going to do it. I trust you. Now youngest do that. And they and, it's, and it's crazy, it's, but they know any younger. Man, I'm, I'm like, man, how I look at things now and seeing all that I saw and you know, things that I could have done if I would have just, you know, worked harder, focused more, lead the clubs, lead the girls, lead the drink and all that stuff alone, I could have maximized my potential, God-given talent and my potential and the skills that I already had and could have probably been in the league now or still in the league or whatever. But because I didn't do that um, or try to wait too late to do that, you know, it was a cautionary tale, but now when I go back and I use that story and those experiences, all the good, all the bad, mm-hmm. to help younger players and other parents who may not be aware of the business side of things. Because it's a business. Yeah. You got guys out there that ain't for these kids. So that's why it's like, you know, I retired early because I felt it was my obligation. I kind of got what I wanted out of basketball as a player. So now what can I do with this bunch of stuff over here, the good, the bad, all these experiences? How can I help other people, other parents, other kids? Make better help, help them try to make better decisions because some people just don't know. I didn't know until I like went through it. Right. So, a highlight of your career at Maryland was the the ACC tournament championship against Duke. Um, I think you dropped nineteen points and seven mm-hmm. rebounds on them in that game, and it was like the first ACC title since what the eighties, mid eighties, eighty four. It's twenty years. But y'all run there was unlike because y'all was a six seed. Y'all be the top three seed. Y'all be third seed with Wake Forest. Wake Forest, no Second kind of seed, state. Yeah, and then, and then Duke. Duke. Yeah. That's a hell. <laughs> That's a big <laughs> And run. Greensboro, the old, the real traditional ACC. That was a hell of a run. And you capped it off with that great performance in that championship game, man. Like, yo, just talk about that because I know that was like Look here. whirlwind. That right there, <clears throat> I tell people a lot of times, most of my college career was kind of like a blur to me because I don't think I was, you know, who I am now or, you know, I wasn't really like – there mentally um but that run right there man i know what i did before that tournament because i wasn't i was going through depression at that time like i was, it was i was the one that reading the blogs and seeing what people were saying about me and news clippings and you know i was very like in my head so i was trying to like please everybody right. and um so i wasn't happy man there'd be times like i you just said i just wasn't happy um so i didn't want to watch one of my old high school games and see how happy i was and it was just like, i was just out there having fun um, and I believe we played NC State before we went out there. So before we went to the tournament, they were like, you know, we were on a bubble. So we maybe beat Wake Forest, then we might have a chance. And I think at NC State we were down, and we had a habit of being down in the first half and trying to come back in the second half. 
because we were young. We were all sophomores, and we had Jamar Smith, who was a senior. And uh, But we were always try to rally back. So uh, I think we played NC State, and we just kind of just played. Like, we didn't run the flex and anything. We just played. And then we ended up coming back and winning. And then we ended up going to Wake Forest, and kind of coach was kind of like, we kind of had the attitude like, yo, we just go out here and hoop. Forget everything else, hoop. That's what Coach Williams said. He was like, man, just go out there and have fun and play. And we did, man. I think we didn't run the flex. We ran uh, four out one in. And, like, that's when it all started, man. We played Chris Paul and them, got them out of there. We were down 20 against NC State. Man, people thought that we were done. <laughs> then John Gilchrist, man. <laughs> man, look, here, it was like, man, all right, get a ball to John. Get a ball to John. Cause he, <laughs> about, like, we were down the first half by 20. But we had the attitude, like, man, we've been like this before. We we good. Like, so we didn't we think nothing about it. We, we good. Right. And John was just on a whole different world, man. Like, he was just like, like, he was in a in a zone. And he basically won that game for us. Then it comes Duke. And at that time, they were like, we in the tournament. We good. But we like, man, let's go ahead and just, let's get it. And like, so so that, that run, man, it was amazing, man. It was, like I said, probably the, one of the best experiences at Merlin. Um just that whole experience and what it meant. And you know, I go back up to Merlin now, and people always talking about, it, like, man, we remember that run ACC tournament. You know what I mean? Because what we had to do to get it, you know, we ended up getting a four seed after we do two. Like, so we ended up going from the bubble to getting a four seed in the tournament. So it was a, definitely a memorable moment. Um, <clears throat> my mom recorded all the games. I still have yet to watch. I think I probably watched a little bit of the Duke game before because I think they run it back sometimes during the tournament time. Um but it was a great moment, man, just how the fans was reacting and everything, man, from the game to the phone calls to when we got back here. You know, it was it was nuts, man. It was definitely, like, a, a great moment for me. And I, mean, I hope it lives on for a while because it's something, you know. I mean, like I said, they didn't win the, the AC tournament in 20 years before that. And then, what, like I said, what it meant to people as far as getting into the tournament and what we had to overcome. So it was it was unbelievable, man. It was I loved it. <laughs> you know, that's that, like I say, I talk about that all the time. About uh, you, um, you went on, you went undrafted, um, played in the CBA, then you went overseas. Uh, for the younger guys coming up looking to get an opportunity overseas or whatnot, what are the pros and cons of playing in you know the minor leagues and the professional leagues across the world? Um, before before I uh, be- before I went over there, people was talking about going overseas and this and the third, and I kind of. I thought it was disrespectful because I didn't know anything about overseas. And my whole mindset was NBA. Obviously, I wasn't – I didn't do enough to get drafted or, you know, I waited too late because I ended up dropping off my second semester of my senior year and working my way to get into Portsmouth. I didn't even get invited to Portsmouth. I had to work my way to get in Portsmouth. But I said, once I get in, I'm going to try to prove a point and let everybody know that I can play in the league. So I put myself back on the map as far as – uh uh trying to have opportunities. So they was predicting late second round. But then I got in trouble in college, so I had to go to court two days before the draft. So all the teams that were calling, they stopped calling mm-hmm. because I didn't have a great college career. So I was, I'm not a, a person that could take a, a, a gamble on because I didn't have no name like that. Yeah, they knew who I was, but I didn't do enough in college. So I understood it. Um, <clears throat> ended up getting drafted by uh, the Lakers D-League team, so they, they took a chance. Um, but the coach, man, you know, it didn't work out. And I'm going to the CBA because they thought I still can probably have an opportunity to uh, opportunity to um, make a team or get called up or you know teams could see me. Um, so I made rookie of the year that year, and I ended up coming back and working out for the Sixers, and then going to uh, Cleveland's mini camp. 
Um, and then I ended up going to South Korea. And then that's what was my first experience going overseas. Um, my first experience is a little different than others because some people start off a little slow. Like I went to South Korea and the amount of money they were paying, that's not the normal amount they you some rookies get now. You know, Because right. like if you go into, like, friend, you're a rookie, you're going to friend, like some guy's not making that much money. Asia is a little different. Um, so mine was like a rare situation. But it's definitely life-changing, you know. It's a, it was a great experience for me. I learned so much, and I'm, I'm actually grateful that I went overseas because I you know, South Korea, Spain, Venezuela, Turkey, Greece, Ukraine, Lithuania, Bahrain. So I, I, I got all these experiences in different cultures, and you know, I got so used to living overseas that being back here is awkward for me in a sense. <laughs> I was just telling you, Cardell, like, it's different for me. Now, this is probably the longest I've actually been home since college, and it's, it's – it's, uh, it's, it's an adjustment because I'm used to living overseas, and I actually sometimes like it better because it's a different way of living. You know, you learn different cultures. I have different friends over there, speak a different language. Some people can't adjust to that. I've been over there with players that just can't deal with the food. They can't deal with the people. They don't want to adjust to their way of life, whereas they actually embrace you more when you just try. Mm-hmm. So I've, I learned to kind of like the survival of the fittest. So every environment I was put in, I kind of adapted to that. A lot of players can't do that. You got dudes that's in the league that go over there. They can't. They can't do it because you live in a different world. You might not have the people that you know. So um, some people could do it, and some pe- some people they just ain't made for it. Like I said, you got league dudes that go over there and they just can't because it's different playing playing style. Um, maybe more physical right. <laughs> than the league is now because you get my hand check. Whereas some of these league over there, they man, you might lose some teeth. Like <laughs> broke. It's, it's it's crazy, man. Um, but for the younger players, it's just, man, I tell kids now, man, go for that money. I know you want to get in the league. Some dudes turn down big money, man, because I, and I get the dream. If you're young enough, yeah, take that risk. But after a couple of years, get that money because the way things are now, they're not, it's not the same. You know, the, the money is not the same. Um, the opportunities, they want to pay less. The, the economy's changed. Um, so I'm glad, I'm kind of glad I caught it when I could. Even over there, man, I was kind of like just – like, I know my first year, I went to South Korea, went to Spain, left Spain. Um, I was just kind of bouncing around, so I kind of got a little reputation to bounce around because I, I felt as though I'm not happy here, so I want to go somewhere else. Right. And they don't know that people talk, and you have a resume. It's like a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need, what, what do you need a job for? So they're making calls. Why this? Why that? So I tell kids now, man, just enjoy your life. That's a, people, you don't have to, like, they actually bringing you over there, paying for your living, giving you tax-free money. Like, enjoy the moment. And if you're good enough, the NBA going to find you because it's global now. So it's not about, now nah, I want to leave. Not, man, go get that money. If you're good enough, they'll know because a lot of guys did it already. They went over there, played a few years, and come back. Now they got three-year guaranteed contract for X amount of money, or they're good enough so the, they have NBA scouts over there or people talk. And if you're kidding, wherever you at, even in colleges, people want big-name colleges. Man, if you're good, you're good. Mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Steph Davidson, you know what I mean? Like so, <laughs> you know, what I mean? if you can play, you can play. All right, well, Travis, thank you for a wonderful conversation. Um, you're not leaving yet. We still got rapid fire to go through. We're gonna take a quick break when we get back. Gonna uh, little local coverage and jump straight into rapid fire. You guys are watching the Focus. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Focus. Wonderful conversation with Mr. Travis Garrison. Okay, guys, we had a lot going on in terms of local coverage this week. As we always tell you guys, there's two wonderful places you can find all of this content. 
Head over to finestmagazine.com, a.k.a. finestmag.com. Follow Cardell all across social media. He was at the 30 by 30 last week, and that was something that was put on by Mr. Ricky Goins. He was a guest of maybe a month ago on The Focus. So, again, we're tying things together. Head over there and check that out. Also, GW, you've heard Tyler Cavanaugh's name, I think, like, consistently <laughs> since the show started <laughs> on here on DCTV. So I need you to do me a favor. Give it a finest mag and check out the end of his career at GW, his wonderful career. And we've heard Cardell say many times that the kid has a future in the league. So we're going to pay attention over the next couple months because eventually, you know, after playoffs are done, we already heard Sport Smith mentioned once on this show. It might be a place that Tyler ends up um, on his journey to the NBA. As for us, we had a lot going on. We had D.C. United, most importantly, Maryland women's basketball. They, they advanced to the Sweet 16. We were there for the first two rounds of coverage. We got like 50, 11 interviews up there right now. So we got a lot of content over there. Get over there, check that out. Get over to YouTube and search Finest Mag. Get over to YouTube, also search My Model Sports, and that'll get you all cut up, caught up over the past week in local coverage from both the respective powers here at The Focus. Travis, before we jump into the Pop Your Trunk State uh, segment, which I'm so happy about this week because I think it was a no-brainer. When he hit me, I was just like, yeah, I didn't have to argue anything. But Travis, tell him, you mentioned your book several times, man. Tell him how to get a hand on your book. Um, <clears throat> you get my book at uh, neversatisfiedtg.info. The, uh, the title of the book is Never Satisfied, an Athlete's Battle. And it's also on Amazon as well. Uh, so it's never satisfied. TG that info, and then it's also on Amazon. So. All right, guys, uh, please go check that out. It's definitely worth your time and definitely worth the read. So, um, pop the trunk, Cardell. <laughs> hey man, Merlin oh, freshman female. I get to hey, hey, this Slocum, yeah. and it was the craziest thing in the world. Jarell and I were like five feet away when she did this. Mm-hmm. So Travis took a picture. I'm gonna show you guys a picture after the show's over, and he caught us in the celebration mm-hmm. shot because we were both geeking over the fact that that <laughs> happened. Like, I fully haven't accepted that I saw it and I don't watch SportsCenter. I have in a few years. I did at least get on Twitter to check SportsCenter's to, to make sure that it was... I just want to make sure they put some respect on it mm-hmm. and, and it was on the top 10. I've never seen somebody throw... Like, it was a soccer-style throw in it for 65 feet with the defender on her. It was, it was amazing. And um, again, we got more Destiny Slocum stuff over at My Mono Sports, along with the rest of the Maryland Terrapins that are headed to Connecticut this week, as we are for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. So keep up with us here at The Focus. we got a lot of good stuff coming for you this upcoming week. Without further ado, Cardell, the floor is yours uh, with the rapid-fire segment. All right. No first question. With Washington not making a tournament, has that taken Markel Foles out of the number one pick consideration for you guys? Gonna start with the fellow marathon guy. Um, <clears throat> I don't think so. I think all the hype is it is what it is. The kid can play. Um, I don't think it has. I, th- I don't think it would affect anything at all, to be honest. Because I think they already knew what was what. They already knew what the team was, what it was, and you know that's why he ain't playing no more. He like I'm, I'm good. So. Yeah, I agree. I basically took all the words out of my mouth. I would say the exact same thing because it's like if if you can play, you can play. Mm-hmm. Point blank, period. I mean, I'm sure they're going to start the whole conversation because that's what, they what we do. do in this culture. But don't take them if you want to. That's on you. Oh, no. Should the NBA start taking game checks from players who sit out games and are injured? I agree. 
I'm asking you. Say you agree? Yeah, they, I agree. They, they should. They should. They should do something. I don't. I mean, I don't know if it should be that drastic. If you, I think it should be just to send a message. Mm-hmm. Know that this isn't something that we're gonna play around with. You know, if y'all are getting paid all these monies, all this money for playing, mm-hmm. then you don't get money when you don't play. If there's not something physically wrong with you, like we always, you know, understand if they're hurt, if it's lingering injuries and things like that. Right. But if you're just telling me, hmm, I'm a little bit tired today. I think I'll take a break. You know, your, your paycheck will take a break too. I'm with Xavier. <laughs> I think they do the same. I mean, I was thinking that actually when y'all first was talking that talking about that when I first came in, like you know, don't they do that at your regular job? Like if mm-hmm. you don't come in, you don't get paid that day, right? Doc, you pay. That is so. that is very true. Should the NFL do away permanently with Thursday night games? Yes, it's bad for the players physically, and it's bad for us to watch. So how about we just skip it? It's horrible to look at. <laughs> Yeah, I can go, you know, I guess I can go without it as well, you know. I'm a little 50-50 just because I like, <laughs> I like football. Like, Sunday be so far away after Sunday happens and then Monday night happens and I got to go all week again until I can watch it again. But how many times did you turn on your TV on Thursday night and turn it back off? Uh, depends on who was playing. Now, some of the Thursday night games weren't that interesting, so those we could have skipped. Okay. Um, but if it's a good game, you know, especially because I like an out-of-market team. Mm. So if they're playing it on there, it's kind of helpful. But, I mean, as far as the regimen is them, you know, playing, you know, they do play a more physical game than basketball, of course. Not saying basketball is not physical. But um, I get it because it gives them a shorter week. They still have to travel longer periods of time and stuff like that. Um, so I'm kind of good either way, although I like the extra day of sports. Just okay. me. <laughs> How is Maryland women's son and Breonna Jones not a nasal finalist? Sounds like hate to me. Politics as usual. <laughs> the best big in the country, hands down. And all I got to say is when you have to take three people to box somebody out, don't take them off your word list. Just, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> what he said. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, there was three people in West Virginia assigned a box one player out. But you going to take her name off the list? Okay. Thoughts on the protesters? Flying a Confederate flag outside the NCAA tournament venue. America. <sighs> it's sad to say it's becoming the norm. Yeah. <laughs> That's the sad part. But I guess if it goes back to this whole free speech thing, you know, I guess. But it's not a good look. Yeah, the way things are these days, you know, I mean, nothing surprises me now, which is sad. Yeah. You know, nothing surprises me anymore. So. Okay. The FBI got involved with helping to find Tom Brady's missing Super Bowl jerseys. And they found it. Shouldn't the feds be focused on something more important like, you know, missing girls around this area? Uh, so much other things to be worried about. Yeah, I mean, they found it in Mexico. <laughs> and they brought it back to him. It's like they gave it his own little entourage back to him. I mean, I get it. It was probably very important to him. But I'm pretty sure he could have hired somebody else to go do that while the FBI handles things that the FBI is supposed to handle, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of would have been cool. What she said. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. I know D.L. Hoogley posted something about that, and, um, you know, that that is interesting. You know, you have all these teens, you know. I have a daughter, so, and I have kids, too, so, you know, definitely I feel a little different. You know I mean? I feel yeah, me a way about it. Um, but, you know, people focus more on things that's I mean I ain't saying it's meaningless but you know there's more important things that they could be worrying about right now as well so Notre Dame point guard Lizzie Allen she's the best point guard prospect since your fellow UConn great uh, Sue Bird yes 
If he said yes, I say yes because yeah. I know he knows. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think she's almost as flawless a prospect as Sue was. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, she's. Tough. I really think she's that. Like Sue's, like ideally, men's or women's the epitome of a perfect point guard. Mm-hmm. Ideally, yeah. <laughs> and being from the area, she don't get the pose she deserves. Man, she's like flawless. She definitely she, doesn't she's deserve like, it. I mean, she definitely doesn't get yeah. what she deserves. Okay. Yeah, now nah, she's the best. Okay. UCLA versus Kentucky in the Sweet 16 Friday with Lonzo Ball solidify himself as the top pick if he leads the Bruins over Kentucky. I mean, to me, I'm indifferent. Like, whoever wins, I mean, it is what it is. Like, I'm not going to hold you beating Kentucky higher than I hold Fultz not being in the tournament. Mm -hmm. If, you know, if I like you as a prospect, like, I just don't care. So, should I think less of Jason Tatum because they're not in the tournament Mm -hmm. anymore? You know, so I mean, just like again, this is one of those hot take things for me. So, if I like, if you like the kids, you're gonna take them. Sure. Yeah, I agree too. I think our, Isaiah Thomas already kind of made a point. I mean, yeah. he kind of expressed how he felt about that. So, yeah. gotta go with the star player. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump took credit for Colin Kaepernick not being signed. Thoughts on that? Hey, Ignorance. I, <laughs> I don't even have words. Yeah. <laughs> like. Speak, we talk about the FBI doing stuff they're supposed to be doing. Shouldn't he be doing some other stuff instead of worrying about Colin Kaepernick and Calling all this other stuff? fake news. Like, that's, how about you focus on being the president? Let's do that. My words are not suitable for this program. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get his band? <laughs> yeah. That's it for y'all. That's it. We're going to keep it short. All right, y'all. Well, we want to thank you guys for tuning in this week. Um, got a lot more playing next week. We'll have some – we're going to try to have some content from Bridgeport. Okay, yeah. I'm not gonna make any promises. <laughs> I don't know what type of health I'm gonna be in. We're gonna have this zombies time next, next week, guys. We're gonna have um, zombies. But Travis, thank you so much, man. It's always good to have you around. Thank you so much for coming in. No, I appreciate, really appreciate it. Man. I appreciate the opportunity. To be honest, man. Like I said, man, I'm, I'm I'm happy for you guys. You guys have been grinding, you know. And um, I just appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate what you guys do for this area, and um, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much for the kind words, and we'll see everybody next week, same time, same place, right here. Thanks, folks.